0: Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman.
1: I'm Mark Marble.
0: And this is The Lantern Cast.
1: Episode 393.
0: That's right. What are we talking about tonight?
1: Well, I I would like to say we're not talking about the Green Lantern uh, Season 2 Number 2, but unfortunately that is going to be something we will be talking about at some point. Unfortunately, since since it's my issue to do.
0: (laughs) It's like I knew it was coming.
1: I rolled the dice and lost. I should have just, even though oh, technically it was your issue to, to have the choice with. Uh, if I would have known, Far Sector would have been much, much better than this. Then again, this month's Far Sector hasn't come out yet, so maybe that that could be a train wreck too. But <laughs> so it may not be an apples to apples. We're comparing last month's Far Sector with this month's Green Lantern. <laughs> but no, this is definitely uh, this is definitely the loser of issues to have to recap over like the, probably like over like the last four or five issues period anywhere that we've done Ugh.
0: but before that
1: <laughs> oh yeah you mean the fun part of the episode <laughs> <laughs> i apologize this is this is this is a pretty dep- i mean most people can relate to this it's pretty depressing out there right now <laughs> and, and and this is and and this issue review for me ain't helping it much either <laughs> but In our own way, we'll be talking about COVID-19, but in a way that people probably are not going to want to vomit about because they're so sick of hearing it. This hasn't been on my mind a little bit because Lord knows we can't go to the movies anymore. (laughs) Between everything being canceled and all the movie theaters shutting up, you know, shutting down and closing up shop for a while. uh, The thought crossed my mind about the potential dominoes falling and the the ramifications in the MCU – now that they officially moved, which we knew they were going to, Black Widow was it was almost inevitable. Black Widow was going to be moved, uh, but now the Black Widow has been moved indefinitely. It is, I think, pro- certainly worthwhile for at least a little bit of conversation from a speculation perspective of the whole chain reaction. Not just of moving Black Widow, but of everything being shut down and coming to a halt, and how that might affect. Uh, Marvel's release schedule, based on what it was supposed to be, so that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the things we're gonna talk about. So, okay. uh, because when you think about this, there's there's a whole bunch of possibilities of what they could do here. Assuming things start looking a little bit brighter, let's say somewhere in May, and it'd be nice if it looked brighter before then, but let's just say it's not gonna, you know, it, things aren't gonna be people aren't going to be taking their foot off the gas, let's say, until May. Let's just say that for the sake of argument. Marvel could always decide, push, obviously Disney still has to figure out when to release uh, Mulan, too. Uh, but they could always make that a holiday movie. I don't think that would be a big deal, especially since by then, the, you know, the Asian box office should be, uh, shouldn't be an issue anymore. Uh, but, so they could, basically manufacture a release date over the summer, maybe for Black Widow, somewhere in July, if they wanted to. They could do that. If they didn't do that, conventional wisdom would be, it'd be really easy just to keep kicking the can down the road and put Black Widow into the Eternals slot, since we haven't even seen anything from that movie yet. So, pushing that back wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, Eternals could take shang Chi spot and so forth and so on, but then you kind of run into... Pro- but the problem with that concept is that you kind of run into problems because Shang-Chi's production has been shut down. So while, yes, it probably would help it meet a May, a May release date as opposed to a February, then you have Doctor Strange, who, <laughs> last time we heard about Doctor Strange, they, they didn't have a friggin' script when, what, Derrickson left. <laughs> they didn't even have a script. And that was supposed to be a May release. So that was getting kind of it was kind of getting to the point of no return with that movie anyway, that they really had to start filming somewhere by the summer, and they really wanted to meet that may deadline. Now the benefit of this quarantine lockdown crap is that it really should not affect the writing. In fact, it might, depending on who's writing it, uh, it might increase the odds that this script will be done and finalized before you know the the haze starts to lift. So when everything starts slowly kicking back into gear, that maybe this movie is going to be up pretty much ready to ready to roll. Even though they really we don't really have a director for that because Rami's only rumored. They never – Marvel never officially announced that Sam Raimi signed on. That was just the – the scuttlebutt was just the fact that they were trying to get him, that he were interested in Sam Raimi. So but there really is not a director attached to this project. So Doctor Strange might have a hard time meeting its May deadline anyway, but – so pushing that back, all this makes sense, except Marvel has not put anything in the in – the, and we talked about this during the – I think it was, once the release schedules were more flesh, uh, fleshed out for Marvel, after Comic Con and even in in uh, what D twenty three or whatever, when they when they announced a little bit more, Marvel doesn't really put anything into the May release slot. That's a huge risk. You can make a case going back to four might have been the last movie that was a risk, and that really wasn't much of a risk at that point. Everything that goes into the uh, May, and of course, Infinity War and Endgame were really May movies that were pushed up like a like a week. But anything in that slot has pretty much been a sequel or something that they pretty much think is a, is a slam dunk. So Shang-Chi would now, does not cry out to be a movie they'd want to want to put in the May slot, even if they could. Next year would also be hard to f- manufacture another date because Spider-Man should be coming out next month – next year, I mean. Spider-Man should be coming out next year, so manufacturing another release date in 2021 would be hard. Because you already have three Marvel movies scheduled, and technically a Sony Marvel movie in Spider Man, which should not be affected by this since this movie does not. All the Spider Man movies have filmed in the fall before the, the July release of the following year. So, knock on wood, there's no reason why that should be. There's no reason to believe that's going to be delayed, the filming of that movie, the pro- actual production of that movie. So, it should be able to meet its summer release date. So the problem – so I find it interesting because it's almost like something's going to have to be pushed or something's going to have to be rotated around. And I'm trying to figure out – I mean so with Black Widow, I think especially because Black Widow is a prequel, I mean even – there's a chance Black Widow – they may just push Black Widow like kind of what Fast and Furious did. They may just decide to push Black Widow back a year and release it next May. Especially if they don't think Doctor Strange can – if it becomes clear Doctor Strange can meet that release date, and they have some confidence that Shang-Chi can meet its February release date, then that might be the way to go. But, of course, we're not going to know until everything starts lifting, and we know when things start going back into production. And the Eternals – now, did the Eternals finish – that finished primary – principal photography, didn't it? I think.
0: I think so, but I don't think they've done any reshoots yet, right. which but, is but, but, inevitable these days.
1: Yeah, but it it depends. But it also depends on the, the the amount of reshoots. So that yeah, I think that's correct. I think that I think that movie's in post, which means in all likelihood, even if the post production work is being delayed and it's not necessarily being delayed depending on the environment that they work in, it might be slowed down. It might be slowed down, but I I, I would be it, I don't know if it would come to a grinding halt, but even if it did, even if things don't even if things don't start getting back up to running until June full force, there I don't see why they would not be able to make their November release date if they had to, and they certainly could make a February release date. So that to, yeah, to me, the question is what they do with Black Widow because of the fact you know it is a prequel. So it's not super relevant that it's released at any one time, even though some people have speculated maybe there's some spoilers in there or something that's going to tie into the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show, which is also halted right now, uh, like everything else. But still, there's no reason to believe that show is not going to come out on Disney Plus by the end of the year. So unless there's something that's really super critical, which you kind of find it hard to believe there's going to be, because again... I mean, Black Widow's story takes place between Civil War and Infinity War, so best case scenario, you could get maybe a, 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 a Falcon cameo or something at you know at the end of the main story in in, Bla, in Black Widow, because to 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 segue to where she ends up rejoining you know Cap's uh, team of Avengers there, so or helping form it really, because I mean other than because we know what happened to Ant Man, Ant Man went back in Hawkeye. So really, the only person who was sticking with Cap to start with, um, and well, the only two were Black, were uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, Falcon. So you could get, you could get, obviously, you could get a Falcon cameo in the in the uh, Black Widow movie. That wouldn't probably be shocking, especially since we know that they were filming that, filming uh, the TV show while while Black Widow was probably in post production or doing some reshoots or pickups. But I don't see how there would be a big spoiler that's going to like dramatically affect the TV show. Um, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to what you think of what's what's likely based on. Obviously, there's X factors in this because we don't know how how delayed Shang Chi is going to be. We don't know how. You like to think that movie is not going to be as blatantly reliant on a CGI. So even if the even if the movie is delayed a couple of months to go back into principal photography, you think they might be able to depending how long they have to shoot, even if they finish shooting in, like, September October, you would think they probably would have time to do enough special effects in that movie They get it done by February. The Doctor Strange thing is really the wild card to me, because that movie is so locked into a May release date, but yet that movie seems way, way behind for a project that's coming out in barely over a
0: year. So, what do you think? Um, so, I, I'm not obviously as into the movie world as you are, but Logically speaking, just from a, a techie perspective, and and you're sort of the techie at your job too, so in a way, so it's just like you know, uh, maybe we could both think aloud about this. The way people are sort of a- approaching this whole COVID nineteen thing, uh, in terms of everybody working from home. I, for instance, am working from home. Uh, I bought a 24 inch monitor that I'd always planned on having for my desk, anyways. Uh, I've had this long, this folding chair for a long time. I, I ordered a computer desk chair. That's going to be here tomorrow at some point, or I can uh, rather go pick it up at Walmart at some point tomorrow. Don't that's where the thing. Chad, don't go <laughs> <out>. <laughs> um, but uh, like everybody's sort of adapting on the fly to how it, how the job is is supposed to work when you're when you're uh, it's not quarantine because it's quarantine. If you have it, it's self-isolation or, or whatever they're calling Social it. Social Self- distancing. Yeah, there you go. Social distancing. So. Uh, so just as a as an example. I subscribe to a few different YouTube channels. I don't go crazy with the subscribing because I don't want to see my Apple TV just light up and never be able to keep track of what I have watched and what I haven't. I'm very, i I'm very purposeful about what I subscribe to. One of the things I... I enjoy it. Maybe it's a guilty pleasure. I don't know. Uh, the Fine Brothers, FBE, they put out like, for those of you who don't know, they put out like the kids react to, elders react to, like those sorts of videos. And they have a lot of other com- content like Try Not To and stuff like that. But the FBE channel and their their subsequent related channels, uh, FBE2, FBE Live, the Try Not To channel, all this stuff, it's it, they ha- they have a company, and they have an office in california and they posted a vlog essentially saying hey we're all working from home and what they did was this is all a a roundabout way basically what they were telling us they were doing is they really jammed in like they knew they were prepping for this and maybe for maybe two weeks so like their their recording schedule for all their content was really just like double and triple books just to get as much content filmed as possible then what they could do is transfer everything to their servers to uh, hard drives and everything and all the techies could work from home on the already recorded content so i'm wondering if there's something that some of these studios are doing because the post of the film industry is a bunch of techies like ourselves, um, obviously a lot more high-end because they do high-end video editing and, and production and stuff like that. but uh, you know th- maybe there are certain tools that they can only have in the office because as we all know those are thousands upon thousands of dollar pieces of equipment uh, to actually produce those sorts of results. Um, but I mean with the release of like the new IMac pro and all of these other things, I mean, home-based technology is catching up pretty damn well to the point where YouTubers are starting to film in 8K. Like, it's not common practice because those file sizes are massive. But I've seen a few 8K videos, and even the YouTubers will tell you, look, beyond a certain point, it doesn't really effing matter. (laughs) None of us really need to be recording in 8K because no one's going to notice the difference. And I wonder if, As technology keeps advancing and advancing and advancing, and to the point where even we are now, some of these studios are going to be able to have their people finish up post-production on the bits they do have already, so they're not going to be as far behind as we think they are because maybe their home staff is equipped with iMac Pros and stuff that can actually... You know, it may be a little bit slower than the thousands upon thousands of dollars of custom equipment they have in a production studio. But it's something that realistically in this day and age should be able to handle those sorts of file sizes and frame rates and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if they're – are they going to be behind? Sure. But I wonder if they're just like everybody else is sort of adapting on the fly. Look. Clearly, production is shut down. We cannot go out and film more. Um, that's either a mandate from the, the studio, from the, the director, from the country we're filming. Who knows? Whatever. Regardless, we, we're, production shut down. We can't do anything. All right. So what can we do? Well, let's start working with what we do have. What we do have is these shots, these shots, these shots. Let's start piecing together the storyboard. Let's start piecing together where everything's going to go. Let's finish post production on the stuff we do have. And then maybe, uh, you know, we'll spend some extra time, push back the release date a couple of months or whatever is necessary to have someone go over with a fine tooth comb after we're done and have piecemealed this thing together to make it one cohesive story so it looks like it was edited and and put together just like anything else is normally done. Like you, you I get that the idea is you want to have all the footage at the same time so that you can you know figure out what scenes to delete, cut for time, maybe you don't necessarily make sense with the pacing, the narrative, all that sort of thing. So, you know, sort of plan for that. Edit everything together, do what you need to do. Uh, piece it together as best you can, finish production at a later date, piece in the rest of it together, finish post-production on that, and then spend a little bit of extra time making sure the whole, the whole thing is cohesive. I don't see why you can't do that. I don't see why any – I mean, if if my company uh, that I work for, and it's not like my company is not a Fortune 500 company. It's a, it's a pretty damn co- big company, Keller Williams uh, – if, if they're able to adapt and work on the fly and just decide that they're going to do what they can with what they got, I don't see why Disney couldn't, especially when, especially when their business relies on these films, these TV shows, these whatever, making X amount of dollars based on the quality of said content. So if they're hyper-concerned about the amount of money that this could make them, then they're going to be even more motivated to adapt on the fly and work with this as best we can. Are there going to be delays and pushbacks of theater releases? Yeah, we there has to be. At this point, nobody's going to the damn theater. But I wonder what else the other side of the adaption coin is. Because I've been thinking for a long-ass time now, why in the hell do we have to wait so long to get a fucking movie on Blu-ray after it's out of the theaters? When it comes into the theater, the movie is done. It's finished. I get that it has to be is a different type of file type. We have to format it like all this stuff, but the actual film is finished. And for the run that something is in theaters, you can easily compress that sort of stuff. Get the, just just make the file that you're you're creating. Just make two files, the one that's going to go to the theater and the one that's going to go to the Blu-ray production company. And let's have the the companies creating these blu-rays manufacturing them and shipping them out so that they're ready to hit like the week after it's out of theaters why does there have to be such a huge gap in these things and i'm th- sort of the same, same way with comics like that this you know if we want to bring it back to comics why does it take so long to get a fucking trade paperback or hardcover or whatever you have the pages there a lot of people are working digitally now even if they aren't you have the pages here here's here's my issue of green lantern season 2 number 2 i have this is here you have you have the content you have the lettering you have it's all edited together why why does it take so long to get a hard copy out like so and and and, and we're i think we're seeing that you know in the same way that the debate right now is Not necessarily the debate, but like some of the funny memes and stuff you're seeing out there are like some of the things we've learned from COVID-19, that job that they told you over and over and over again just realistically couldn't be done from home can really be done from home, (laughs) you know, like that sort of thing. We've been saying this for years. Why does it take so long to get the, the, the content that I want, that I really liked from that theater, either into my digital collection or into my hardcover shel- hard copy shelves of my Blu-rays or 4K UHD or whatever the hell it is you have on your shelf? Why does it take so long? Well, guess what? All these movies that are already out or that, that have already released in theaters are like, oh, uh as a special gift for you guys, we know you're in isolation and everything, and we really want to make sure you're taken care of. Guess what? Birds of Prey is going to be releasing even earlier on the digital platforms. You know what that tells me? It tells me the content was already set and ready to go before you said it would be ready to go. So, what the hell's the holdup been? So, just to sp- pivot back to what you were saying, will there be delays sure where there need to be delays but i'm not i'm not kind of wholly convinced that they're going to be massive delays because they rely on making the money and these things being successful so they're going to find a way to work with what they do have to get as far along as they possibly can with what they do have so that they're not missing a step as much as humanly possible because every dollar and cent counts to them
1: I think I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in that um from uh, <clears throat> it, I think it magnifies some of, like some of these situations like that's why I went back to Doctor Strange so much Doctor Strange is in a was kind of pre- precarious to begin with because of the fact that it's like you know guys it's like almost a year away from your release date and your movie doesn't have a script yet as far as we know so you still have to get your script, you got to get a you got to get it a you got to get a final script, you got to get a director. You have to finalize your cast even though you may think even if everything's not announced that uh, any there may be small additions to the to that they haven't announced but they pretty much have, you know, it's done. It's a done deal but they may not have announced it. You got to film it, then you got to do everything else. It's certainly not I mean, we know because again, spider we talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man usually is, has filmed in has usually filmed like around I think Octoberish in in the years that it's before their release and they and they can make a July deadline, so that's less than what's that like about nine months? It's like about a nine months uh, from beginning to end, and that and the Spider-Man movies obviously have had had certainly the last one had a whole lot of CGI in it, so it's possible, it's absolutely possible for Doctor Strange probably to be to start filming by the end of the summer and still be able to make a May deadline. I think that's realistic. But it does make you wonder But they're going to... But again, it's like... They're going to have to make an adjustment on the fly somewhere, whether it's adding in an additional release date or whether, or not. But the, but if, And at some point, they'll have to add... They're, they're going to have to add an additional release date somewhere. They're either going to do it up front this year if everything's starting to clear by May and it's like oh let's let's grab it you know let's let's see what's on the release schedule for July and let's try to uh, or let's or let's push something back that's like that stupid Ryan Reynolds movie about Free Guy or whatever that's supposed to be July that's supposed to be a July 4th movie or I think I think that's supposed to be like a dis. I, I think that's a Disney flick uh, but either way that if it's theirs that's a movie you definitely could push back if you wanted to if you had an opportunity, push that back and put and put Black Widow back into that spot. If you know by the middle of May that things are that things are going in the right direction, that by July you know all the theaters are going to be open again, then they, they could do something like that. Or that doesn't have to be July 4th. It could be somewhere in July. Do that. They could do that, and then everything else and then everything else falls into place. But it's curious because they because to me it's more interesting because they have wiggle room with Black Widow because. It's a, it's a prequel anyway. You know, it's, a, it's something that's out of current continuity because she's dead. So it's not as pressing that, you, that this movie has to come out first before the next movie comes out because somehow these are related to each other in a, in a meaningful way. It's not necessarily like that. It's with Black Widow. So they have a little more wiggle room. Um, now, if they really think Doctor Strange is going to meet the May deadline, then probably they will not push Black Widow back far. If they do that at all, uh, but next year would be a hard year to to add in a, add in a movie. It's because you're gonna have Spider-Man, which is not their movie, but it's a it's a partnership movie for them. And I don't and I don't remember where we are with uh, obviously Thor. Thor hasn't started filming yet. You yeah. know, if Thor had started filming, that's always a possibility too. If Thor had started filming even if it was shut down now, but if Thor had started filming, then that's a possibility they could, have, they could have just moved Thor up. They could swap Thor. Whatever they do with Black Widow, they could just swap Thor into Doctor Strange and move Thor up to May and Doctor Strange to November, which would make sense because his first movie came out in November. And you're also, I think, besides being able to work at home on some of the stuff, the reality is it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there still can't be some people working in the office. Because the reality is, a lot of these, a lot, a lot of the recommendations is just and depending on where you are, is that you know you you know you cut you cut your staff down and then you you allow more spacing, so it could be like a skeleton crew, but they could be alternating on days. It's like certain certain people come in on like Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, and other people come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or they come in every day but they split the shifts. So there's lots of things they could do. If a movie is in post production, in all honesty, at this stage, I'm less concerned. About them being able to being delayed, it's it's obviously something that when you're just starting production or, or you even haven't yet. So like Shang Chi and Doctor Strange come to mind. Black Widow is done. We know Black Widow is done. The question is what it, the question is when are they going to when are they going to release it? So it might just cause a chain reaction. Not even with Marvel movies, I may cause a chain reaction with Disney looking at their own schedule because obviously there's going to be a bunch of things they have to make room for. They got to make room for Mulan. Um. so it's possible that a whole bunch of movies are going to get pushed back from 2020 to 2021 but it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how long and of course a lot of TV almost all the TV shows are being shut down now too Stranger Things are shut down so it's going to be quite interesting because the cha- that chain reaction you know, if it's only, if they're only shut down for like a, even like a month or so, it may not, depending how far along they were in filming. Yeah, it may not have a big react, a big uh, domino effect on you know fall TV and things going into whether it's on regular you know regular TV quote unquote or whether it's going to be on a, a Netflix Amazon thing. But I was I almost was tempted to say thank God this didn't happen when we were waiting for Game of Thrones, but considering what we got, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad. <laughs> maybe it would have given him time to do some soul searching you know we have a chance now but I just thought it would be worth talking about because it is it is one of those interesting side effects in seeing how because obviously Black Widow was one of the most anticipated movies of of this year we saw Fast and Furious move their completely basically jump the shark and move it all the way back to next year Which makes sense to a large extent because of how far in box office driven that franchise is. That they could have rolled the dice and and done like a fall release because you figured things are going to be, quote unquote, back to normal over in China and everything else by then. But it probably made sense to push it back a year. Though I'm not going to lie, I was pretty surprised when I heard, which was last week when they made that that announcement, that, oh, we're going to push it back a, a whole year. So... That's yeah. intre- that is interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, so we just when it comes to COVID talk, there's been a lot of people out there. Being like, well, people are dying, and you shouldn't be making light of like all this. Guys, we're not making light of it. It's serious. Both of our jobs are impacted by it. We hear about it every single day. Mark more than myself because of the industry that he's in. There's no doubt that it's serious. There's no doubt that the uh, isolation can definitely help flatten that curve and uh, you know not overload the hospitals and, and things like that. But my God, this is such a big deal. That it's all you ever hear about, and it feels like we're in this dark, massive cloud of negativity and doom and gloom, and if we don't make light of this, we're going to go fucking insane. So if, if you are somebody who's impacted by COVID or know someone who is, and you just cannot handle people making light of it in any way, shape, or form, stop listening for a little bit or something, because... I don't know about Mark, but my personal approach is: if I don't make fun and I don't make light of something, even when it's serious, I'm going to fall into a hole. So sorry. <laughs> and,
1: and, and it is. I mean, it is. It is depressing. It, I mean, it is depressing. I mean, it's so. And it's not. And it's not because which is interesting cuz usually it's not a term that I would ever really apply to myself on a regular basis but it's not like we're all snowflakes quote unquote and it's like oh my god you know, we, we like, so, something we're used to doing when you know we have to cut back on temporarily it's it's not i don't think for a lot of people it's that it's just, it's just the extent that every that the entire world has come to a screeching halt and as I said in a previous episode, and I'm going to continue to say it, because my mom says it, and she's in, the, and she's in the healthcare industry, so she knows this isn't Ebola. This isn't where if you catch it, if you catch it, there's like a 50, 60, at least percent mortality rate that you're probably going to die if you catch it. That's really not what's going on here. There's a very small percentage of the population that's at risk for getting seriously ill or dying from this. A huge percentage of the population has this or will have it and never know it.
0: And And that's why we're all staying at home, guys, to help the people who are like immunocompromised or elderly around us to not catch it because even if you may not be feeling something, you could be a carrier and it could impact your loved ones. That's really all this is about. It's not because you're sick, you're going to die. It's because let's just – you know, let's help slow the spread a little bit so we can catch up and get ahead of this fucking thing,
1: which is really why when people say, oh, treat it like the flu. The reality is it's the, it's it's the, not that we should ever be doing what we're doing now regarding the flu. I mean, that, that'd that be ridiculous. I mean, we might as well just put a gun in our mouths now because because the flu happens all the time. But the point is some of these things that, that use, quote unquote, common sense, which we know most people isn't that common anymore, <laughs> that. Some of these natural things, like if you're really friggin' sick, unless you have to go out somewhere, you don't, because that's common sense. It's the same concept. If you had just the flu, it's the same thing. It's not because the people you work with, assuming that you have no one who's immunocompromised in your group, or somebody who's really, who's got asthma, or somebody who's really old or very young, which again is the quite interesting thing about COVID right now, is up to now it really hasn't had a dramatic impact on young kids, like the flu does. That's one of the few exceptions. Um, but the reality is, if you re, you could just as easily get somebody sick in your office with the flu, who go, who gets somebody else sick, who has to deal with elderly people or people at nursing homes or has a has a a, a parent who's got multiple health issues. So it's those are the common those are, you know the, the common factors that people should be doing. Now we've just pushed it to the degree, which again is one of those debatable things, which about if like 90s plus percent of the population this is not going to have a huge impact on does that mean the 90% of the population are, that's the part that should be isolating itself not the 4-6% to 6% that are social distancing that should be they're the ones who really should be more locked away not saying being forced to be locked away just saying logically that's the group that is, that's at more of a risk so yes we should be cognizant we should do, take precautions but sh- shutting fucking society down the way we have it's i mean that's i, I mean it, we're, we're, there's going to be long term ramifications for this and of course some people some people are happy about this because it suits their political agenda because of the fact that oh look the economy's going into the toilet yes which is kind of pathetic if that's really what you're rooting for for whatever, whatever wherever you lie in the political aisle if you want the country to to do if you want the country to do poorly because it, because of your you know because oh we'll inherit the mess i don't know i think that's kind of bullshit regardless of where it comes from but the point is we're seeing that, and we're not coming together. The whole idea of, oh, it's a crisis. We should come together. We're really not seeing that, not on the big level. I mean, there's some hints of it, but a lot of people are kind of like dan- dancing in the street because, oh, look, ha ha ha, look what's happening. Uh, it's like I told you, it's it's you know. So it's like I don't know. It's it is a mess. <clears throat> it is a mess. You know, we're not we're going to try to avoid really coveting much, you know, in the next in the next few episodes. Yeah. But, but it's kind of hard because it is. We're so- just in the
0: thick of it now. Yeah, it's so. Pr- it's, it's affecting the entire planet. Everybody's talking. Yeah, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about everything about it. We normally try not to get into quote unquote politics or you know all the sort of drama that happens in the real world on this sort of a show. But I mean, the realist, the reality is, if you're easily swayed by someone else's opinion we're two guys who like green lantern like make your decision based on the cdc or your employer or your doctor like you know we're, the only reason we're talking about this is because it's affecting us and the planet so we're going to talk about what impacts us on this show we're always going to do that regardless of whether it's something serious and and just so prevalent in the media like covid19 or it's something just Every day, <laughs> because the reality is if we just keep this show to nothing but Green Lantern all the time and nothing but beyond that, this show wouldn't have been on the air for 12 years.
1: <laughs> S- certainly over the last few as the Green Lantern books have dried up. <laughs> and, and who knows if this crap continues, maybe it's going to dry up even more because who knows if it's going to start getting in the way of releasing some of this stuff. Um, and that's another thing we'll talk Maybe Maybe next week we'll talk about the whole yeah. Uh, free Comic Book Month, whether that seems like a good idea or not. Or, but either way, that's, it's having dramatic effects across and – we, and we, besides covering Green Lantern, we cover entertainment. We cover pop culture, and clearly sure. it's sucking the life out of everything because <laughs> there ain't a whole hell of a lot right now. I mean sports is – I mean – I, I don't like I I dislike Tom Brady a lot, but thank God for the t- for news about Tom
0: Brady over the last couple of days and, and, and Cam your, Newton. I was just gonna say your boy Cam Newton and all the because if
1: not for this NFL free agency crap, they, I mean and, and a little bit of tidbits from like from the closed down spring training, but you still get some baseball tidbits about people getting you know re, you know rehabbing and throwing and you're getting a little bit, but it was. My God! In like one fell swoop, all big. I mean, that, once that NBA domino fell, oh my God! We lost the we know we lost the NBA, we lost the NHL, we lost March Madness, we lost spring training in the beginning of baseball season, all this stuff. And my all. I mean, it's like oh my God! And, and then in, and now movies. I mean, I went I went to, I went to see Bloodshot last week, which, mind you, considering a it was Bloodshot, <laughs> and considering it, it was uh. Covid mania's running wild out there. That it was, it was packed, but there were more people in there than
0: a that, Vin Diesel movie should rightly have.
1: That movie, <laughs> than that movie should have had. I mean, it was surprising. I would, I would have almost bet. Oh, the commission says The parking lot was deserted. I would almost have bet that my friend Dan and I would be like the only two in there, or maybe, uh, maybe like six people. We probably, we probably had like about 20, 25 people in for the seven fifty-five. Which is more than some of the other movies I've gone to see lately, just because people don't care—not just because of the COVID stuff. But I find it. But now, but you see, but you do see the drawback in something in during a situation like with the COVID. You do see the drawback to advance tickets and 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 uh, assigned seats, because now, because even though in, in a theater when you only have 25 people and in, in your once a movie starts and you're 10 minutes in, if you really want to move, you can move. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say. But the point is. My, you might, you, There might only be 15 people in the theater, but, but they all might be in a relatively small area because people want the good seats, like right in the middle, not too close to the front. So you're much more likely to have a heavier concentration of people because you get your tickets in advance than you would under this same kind of uh, pandemic if you just – if you had the old way of doing it where you didn't have uh, assigned seating, that people would be purposely spacing themselves out more, even if they normally wouldn't, just because they don't want to be sitting next to anybody else. <laughs> so that – so I thought of that last week. But yeah, Bloodshot was obviously going to – that was the last movie that I'll be seeing for a while. Uh, I, I also found it interesting, and I give Regal credit for this. I It was like the day – it was either that day or the day before is when uh, – last week when, U- when uh, U- Universal announced they were moving fast and furious for a year. And I was about to cancel my advance tickets and ask for a refund on, that- on Thursday because Dan and I were even talking about it. But I didn't even have to because when I woke up Friday morning, they had already refunded my ticket for me. <laughs> it's like, way to go, guys. It's like, <laughs> thank God for them. I mean, honestly, thank God for all, for for all these ticket places and even – I say even for because 'cause they'd be like, because oh, you got to give the money back. Which the idea that thank God Black Widow wasn't selling tickets yet, which is kind of weird that they weren't. Well, excuse me, that they weren't, but it kind of worked out in their favor. So you have, you have everything to a halt. Friggin' Disney World might not be open. You know, Disney World might, could end up being shut down to friggin' May, to like May or something, or May and June. Uh, so I mean, which is nuts when you really think about it. Uh, so it has. This is going to have such a massive effect on the economy uh and it's going to be st- and still serious as serious as it is it's still there's certainly room for discussion whether wh- what we're doing as draconian taking the draconian approach whether that's really the you know it may be helping one area of it but look at the long-term ramifications and is this what we're going to and now is this what we're going to do every single time People think that something's going to be big. Is this just going to – are we all going to have to have three months worth of toilet paper stashed away from now on going forward? Because just in case something starts hitting the fan, no pun intended, that everybody's going to run out and get toilet paper again, Uh, even though next time it might not be toilet paper. The psychology behind a run on anything is simple. It's just the fact that it's not that you need it now. It's that you're afraid that when you do need it, it's not going to be there. That's what causes a run, whether it's like the run on the banks in 1929 or whether it's a run on toilet paper, whether it's a fantasy a fantasy sports draft and there's a run on tight ends or running backs, and it's like, oh, i got to get one now because all of them are disappearing, and if I don't, there will be none left. If I wait any longer, it's the same psychology. So toilet paper was the interesting focal point on that. Uh, it does seem like probably the reduced hours are helping, that stores are starting to get restocked and – and it's not like there's a shortage of toilet paper. It's just a matter of having to being able to ship it from point A to B and restock in a timely fashion. That's what really all of this at this point is, other than other than probably personal protective equipment, which there will, which there seemingly is go, is a shortage, or there is. The question is how dramatic it's going to be. But that again has – that has nothing to do with some people have tried to make that politics too. That has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with almost so much of the personal protective equipment we use, gloves, masks, are made in fucking China. That's the reason why there's a shortage because of what's happened in China and the lack and the production and everything else coming to a halt in China. That so that's part of the reason when when you have so much manufacturing outside the country that that creates that puts you at the mercy of something. It's like when we were. But that's why when we were much more ener- – not when we were much less energy independent using that magic phrase. That's why you, something like the oil lines and the oil crisis in the 70s could happen because if you get a cut – you get a supply cut off or something from your main suppliers, and then all of a sudden you're at the mercy of that because you can't make it up because you're only, you're getting it from one place. So probably one of the good things that will come from this is that there's going to be more of a concerted effort to be making some of this stuff regularly not during just a crisis but regularly in the united states more incentives to manufacture things like that. whether it's res- whether it's something <clears> like <throat> a res- like respirators or gloves or, or masks to make it more here and be less dependent on what happens overseas because we that's that's the danger of this but all right you want to talk about toys didn't you
0: yeah can i talk about funko's now yes <laughs> okay uh so let's talk a, a little bit so Emerald City Comic Con was supposed to happen. I was super stoked to go, obviously, and nothing. Uh there was going to be some releases. Uh by the way, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the show, uh but that Green Lantern release that was rumored wasn't a Funko. Uh but there wasn't <laughs> there there was a Green Lantern uh exclusive that was supposed to be released from the Mini Mates line. Uh and that was a like a translucent green uh Hal Jordan in, in the Mini Mates sort of style. Um and uh, that was a, a limited piece through uh, Diamond, I think. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, that was I was going to get that. But obviously the whole thing was shut down. I was still thinking about maybe going to Seattle. And based on how everything turned out over the time that I would have been in Seattle, it's probably a good thing I didn't end up going in to begin with. I'm, who knows? I might have been stuck there. or uh, Who knows? Whatever. Um, but um, the plan was I was going to leave – on uh, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, uh, as we record this. And um, I would have gotten back last night, uh, St. Patrick's Day evening. Uh, so uh, I took all that time off in between. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit, well, now what I do? I don't want to just blow all my time off and just take the time anyways for a staycation. So instead, I work Monday through Thursday, uh, 10-hour days. So I took off. Uh, the planned Wednesday, Thursday, and just came back into work on on Monday. And uh, doing that, sort of, I knew I'd be depressed and flying out tonight, you know, that whole thing. So I was just like, you know what, my head's not going to be in my my work. Probably better off to just take off rather than sit on my ass and not perform at my job and look like I'm just phoning it in. So uh, I decided to take off. Which was a good thing because, you know, all the Funko drops were still happening. So what Funko decided to do is, even though they were doing a release with shared exclusives, they put together this really cool thing called the Virtual Con. And what the Virtual Con is, is all the con exclusives that were happening uh, for Emerald City Comic Con that you could only get at the show because you have the shared exclusives that are going everywhere. They're the same Funko Pop. It's just a different, ex- there's a, a different con sticker on it, it to d- distinguish, you know, did you buy this at Hot Topic or did you buy this at uh, the convention? Were you there? It's almost like a memorabilia sort of thing. For whatever reason the Funko community tries to value those more than the, the convention exclusives over the regular even though the box is the same, the pop is the same, everything's the same. The sticker is the only difference. Um, but I was going to get some because I was just like, you know what, like that's going to be, I'm going to get this pops I would regularly get, but it's going to be like my little, uh, my little getting a con exclusive is exclusive. is going to be like my, uh, my little memorabilia. Like, you know, this, this is going to remind me of my trip. So the plan was to get Gambit with the the bow staff and Zatanna as well as the, Crusaderette, which is the Emerald City Comic Con uh, mascot, and the Funko headquarters uh, pop town. Uh, because after leaving the con, I was going to travel 30 minutes or whatever up north uh, of Seattle to Everett, Washington to go to the Funko headquarters. Um, so anybody who won the Funko lottery, because obviously since these sell- these things sell uh, on the aftermarket for the con stickers for more money than the regular ones, people... When there are Funko exclusives at a con, buy the shit out of them. So Funko has to have a lottery for you to even get in line in the first place. So you go online when it's open. You enter your verification stuff for your con tickets, and you are in the lottery. And then they tell you whether or not you have, quote-unquote, won a spot in line. Well, the people who won a spot in line were able to keep that spot in line and the Thursday before the Funkos were supposed to drop at the shared stores on Friday um, the Thursday they opened up uh, these sort of unique pathways onto their shop so that those people could still buy those exclusives so that's just the setup Uh, I ended up going early and standing in line outside of Hot Topic at my local mall Barton Creek to get Zatanna because that's DC that's dc comic accurate and it was just frankly a cool looking pop so i was like i gotta have that one that that matches my comic accurate dc collection um it's a great pop it's really cool but beyond that that's really the only one i was interested in that was shared anywhere else i could have gone the gambit with Bowstaff is a walgreens exclusive Walgreens exclusives don't hit the store for a while, if at all. And by say, but when I say that, I mean regular Walgreens exclusives do. The con shared Walgreens exclusives, I don't think I've ever seen at a Walgreens. I don't think I, never, I ever saw Black Canary because she was the one I believe last year. I don't think I ever saw Black Canary at a Walgreens. So you have to buy those on Walgreens website. I was able to do that. So I already have Zatanna. It's in my collection. I'm looking at it right now. And I now have Gambit ordered. Here's hoping Walgreens doesn't cancel that order. <laughs> Walgreens went late with this. <laughs> with uh with their release, because it was supposed to be like early in the morning on Friday. It didn't happen until like late that afternoon slash evening. A few minutes later, a few like an hour or two so like I've I've gotten home, you know. I'm, I've, I've put everything away. I've relaxed a little bit, and then I'm like, oh shit! I see the news blowing up. I better go to HEB because in that same time, I got a text telling me, by the way, Chad, we're working from home next week. If you want to stop by and grab your laptop, so I was like, oh shit! <laughs> so because of that, like, I go to the grocery store, not because of panic, but because of toilet paper. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that I already have. I I have eight rolls. Ultra plush. I'm good. Um, how, how many uh, but anyways, you, you uh, so how many I was just like, oh shit. Oh, I, I'm, I have eight rolls of ultra plush.
1: That's not going to last you long, man.
0: <laughs> it's bl- ultra plush I, and I'm single. You,
1: you'll be doing, you'll be, it'll be black market. You'll be guys, some guys with overcoats, but with, with Charmin rolls of Charmin. That's what you're going to be dealing with in a bad part of town. Chad. I'm,
0: always, uh, I'm <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, so, no, I went to the grocery store and loaded up on, I, I, I spent $200 on groceries, not because of the panic and everybody like, you know, uh, you know, bulk buying and shit like that. I went because oh shit, I have to work from home. I can't order breakfast, lunch, and dinner for delivery every single day. I don't have shit in my fridge. If I'm going to be stuck here for a while, I probably should buy a little bit of food. So I went and bought some like asparagus and broccoli and uh, milk and eggs and, you know, uh, uh pork and chicken and, and beef and all that stuff to toss in the freezer so so i actually had some food to eat so i don't have to worry about getting delivery every single time which is probably a good thing because a lot of restaurants are shutting down now and i was gonna say you know, that, that that that
1: that would not be the if, you, if especially if you are you know if, if you're if anybody out there if you're still getting if you're still getting money if you're still either going to your job or you're getting paid to whether you're working at home or not it's not a bad idea to you know to to because well obviously, but if you're not if you haven't been able to get the groceries you need, you don't have enough food, there's an added incentive right there, but beyond that, the fact that yeah that for at least for the next month, a lot of these restaurants are gonna you know are gonna really be taking it up to you know what because of the fact that. They can't have people – you're not allowed to have people you know, sit sit anymore. I went to – I picked up Domino's the other night. They they forced the friggin' Domino's that I go to to, like, take out, like, the three the three stupid booths that they had in there. They had to tear those things out. I mean, I'm sure they'd literally tear them out. They probably could just move them. But the point was they took them all out of the front of the store because they can't have anybody sitting there to eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I felt so bad for them. <laughs>
0: Um, so, that's sort of the chain of events. Friday went to hell in a handbasket, right? So, well, not not really. I was, It's fine. I had a smile on my face. Hell, while I was at HEB, which is our grocery store down here in the south, like, when I went to HEB, I, I had two short little Hispanic ladies asked me to grab some stuff off the higher shelves for them. Uh, So, I don't know. Maybe I look personable, or maybe I just look like I work in retail. I don't know. You look (laughs) look taller, Chad. That was the key. You look
1: taller.
0: (laughs) Or both. Uh, (laughs) At the very least,
1: though, you look taller. That one can't be denied.
0: (laughs) Everybody seemed civil. It was cool. Uh, But anyway, so, like, I, I wake up early Friday. I hang out outside of Hot Topic, wait till they open, grab my Zatanna. Okay, while I'm in line, for some reason, Funko thinks it's a fantastic idea to open their store online at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. This happened last year. What time does Hot Topic open? 9 a.m. Central Standard <laughs> Time. So I am walking into the store to grab my Zatanna, and I'm like, with one hand checking the boxes because, like, normally I don't care too much about them, but if there's like, you know, 16 of them in front of me and I have the choice, why not get the one with the better box? So like, I'm I'm looking at the boxes while also checking the Funko shop online, right? So I get in, I get in, I, I check out, I get my Zatanna. The damn site's not loading. I, fi- I Luckily, I find a link that's a completely d- different link than the one I've been refreshing in the past four minutes. And four minutes is a long time on the Funko shop online. That shit can sell out quick. you got to be on the ball. So I find a different link. Luckily, I get in. I get in the digital checkout line. I've got Gambit i've got zatanna i've got the funko shop on uh the funko shop headquarters pop town and i've got the uh there's a two pack of just uh enamel pins of the crusader and the crusaderette that glow in the dark it's just a little ecc thing i thought it'd be cool just a little pin set i figured why not start entering all my information and you know continue gambit sold out okay all right well enter my information the pens are sold out. Oh, shit. Enter my information. Now I've just got Zatanna and the Funko Shop headquarters in my cart. I've already got Zatanna in my hand from Hot Topic. I just decided to fucking check out because if I try to edit the cart, <laughs> <I> have <nothing. laughs> I'll have nothing. So I check out. I'm fine. I've got the the headquarters, Funko Pop headquarters heading my way and Zatanna heading my way. Ideally, I believe these are actually with the convention exclusive sticker. The reason I say that is because Zatanna – at the very least, I believe Zatanna is a convention sticker exclusive. And the reason I say this is because the, uh, the virtual con that they did where the people who had won the lottery to get in the line to buy these Funko Pops uh, at the con – were allowed to go online Thursday and purchase a it purchase it. So anything that was in the Funko Shop left over on Friday that wasn't a shared exclusive. Or, or, or I'm sorry, that wasn't a Funko Shop exclusive should be realistically anything that was left over from the con stuff. So when I saw Gambit, that would have been a Con exclusive sticker. Gambit. When I saw Zatanna, Con exclusive stickers Z- Zatanna. The Funko Shop headquarters Pop Town, that was already a Funko Shop exclusive. So which one I'm getting? Could be a Con exclusive, could be just a Funko Shop exclusive. Who knows? Um, and I didn't get the pins, right? But the Zatanna for sure, because it's they don't they don't sell shared exclusives on the Funko Shop online. That should be a convention ex- exclusive. So I'm shit like shit. Uh, uh, I didn't get Gambit. The pins I could live without. I mean, honestly, I would have rather lost out on Zatanna because I already had her in my hand than Gambit. But whatever. So I'm thinking, oh, shit. Okay, so Walgreens, when are, they, when are they going online with this pop? And I'm just refreshing all day long. No one's got any news on it. I'm checking Twitter. People are complaining on Twitter. Still nothing. <laughs> About this time, I get a text. You guys are going to be working from home next week. I also get a text. Hey, your uh, St. Patrick's Day shirt that you ordered on uh, Amazon has arrived at the office. You want to come pick that up? So I was <laughs> like, Oh fuck, I'll just, I'll, I'll swing over there. Oh, by the way, I, you guys remember when Jesus is my homeboy was a thing? I got, I got a green shirt and it's, it's got St. Patrick on it. It says St. Patrick is my homeboy. <laughs> so that was, that was what I wore. Uh, but anyways, like, so I did all this. I go to the office. I grab all this and then uh it's like, okay, so I take my laptop home uh, I go and I grab my uh, I, I go and like for whatever reason they they my office was like it's okay to take your laptop home, but you can't take any of your monitors with you. I don't know don't ask me why maybe it's has to do with just you know i t keeping track of too many pieces of tech and you know, liability who knows whatever. I decided to bite the bullet. I've needed a monitor anyways for a long time. That's been my plan, to have a monitor set up in my little nerd nook. So I just go to Walmart. I buy a, a monitor. While I'm there, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I need to get some groceries. But Walmart is not probably the best place to, for, for that. So I go to HEB. And I grab I grab groceries. I'm part of the Funko Shop uh, 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 Austin facebook group I'm, i i i'm one i'm well known for what i like in there the stuff i do like and the specific stuff i collect and i've helped other people get other things before so i'm well liked i told somebody look <laughs> when that damn gambit goes on live on walgreens somebody fucking let me know i'm in the middle of heb with hundreds of people around me everybody being amicable but we're asses to elbows in that fucking grocery store I'm in the fucking frozen food aisle grabbing some like, you know, frozen broccoli, some mashed cauliflowers and some keto, like all this stuff. Ping goes my phone. <laughs> a, fu- a Facebook message from one of the people in the group, Haley. Hey, Chad, here's that link to the Walgreens gambit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so oh, my I, am in- <laughs> I am standing in the middle of H E B in the frozen food aisle on my phone, desperately trying to purchase this fucking gambit got him excellent get home load off all the groceries i'm cool i'm relaxed watching a little bit of tv ping goes my phone chad the walgreens exclusive beta ray bill just went live too (laughs) fuck (laughs) so i I get on the phone i purchased beta ray bill so now I've got Zatanna, The Funko Shop, Gambit, and Beta Ray Bill all purchased in the same day. Those still haven't arrived yet, right? And then in the midst – in between that day and today, I have reinstituted and re-created uh, my login for eBay and gone on being very conscious about not spending too much and just having a hair trigger on the purchase – so, I want a couple of cheap auctions. White Lantern Firestorm, the pop. Also, together sold in a set with the regular Firestorm pop, which I wanted anyways. Got it. That's on its way to me. I want an auction for the Black Lantern Reverse Flash pop. That's on its way to me. Uh, the other day, my, uh, uh, I, I made a couple of orders on an app because they were there was like a special code and I got them for super cheap. I got my Freddy, my Freddie Mercury uh Wembley Stadium outfit Queen uh pop, along with the death from um from Sandman, the female death pop. I went to a store here in Austin called Hero uh, Hops and Heroes. Uh, and Hops and Heroes I purchased a few things, including the uh, DC Comics Legion of Collectors box exclusive Hawk Girl. Got that. That's that's here. Uh, relatively recently, the Kid Flash pop dropped over at Hot Topic. Got that. Didn't get the chase. Really want the chase. Normally don't care about chases, but it, the glow on that is fucking amazing. I want that. Can't find it anywhere. It's going for Buku bucks. Somebody recently on, in the group that I'm in sold a lot of their pops. So now I have the 2018 Summer Convention Red Hood and the 2018 Fall Convention exclusive First Appearance Wonder Woman. And I also picked up the uh, Marvel Collector Core box uh, Loki 80 years pop. Got that. I have also the Alan Scott pre-ordered in multiple places. I have the Entertainment Earth exclusive Gambit the one that has the glow where he's got the cards, because this is crazy, guys. We have gone from no Gambit Pops, none, to, okay, we're getting a regular Gambit with the cards and his purple sort of energy as he's kind of throwing them across his body. Oh, also, by the way, that one's going to have a Glow variant exclusive over on Entertainment Earth. All right, so now that's two Gambit Pops. ECC comes. We have Gambit with a bow staff that's exclusive to Walgreens. It's a shared exclusive with Walgreens. All right, now we got three Gambit pops. Then suddenly we get an announcement that they're going to be doing a Marvel Zombies series. Guess what? There's going to be a Marvel Zombie Gambit. We have gone from no Gambit pops to four in like two months. <laughs> um, so there's that. I've got that pre-ordered. Uh, Mark and I actually both got the Spider-Man Cosmic. Uh, Captain Universe Pop His is already in his hands Apparently Mine's supposed to be Arriving tomorrow
1: Yeah it's interesting I've, Did we not order them At the same day At the same time Or was it just, was, Or was it just Complete luck of the draw Maybe I Maybe I did pull the trigger A little
0: Well some people Some people uh, On the Funko group That I'm a part of uh, I got theirs like Two or three days ago So I don't know Might just be a thing They're shipping in waves
1: yeah, that is true. Um,
0: it's, I've also... It's, oh, go no, ahead. Just, go, go. You, you can actually see it. You have it in your hands. I, I've seen the photos. How does I it look? I did not
1: open it, at least not yet. But it, look, it is pretty cool. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I zoned out momentar- momentarily and said, is this the one that's glow in the dark? And it's like, no, that's the Wolverine that I ordered. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the Marvel zombie Wolverine entertainment Earth one that, that glows in the dark. And since I don't have a Wolverine at all, and since it is in the yellow costume, which I have, I kind of, I mean, I like the brown costume too, but there is something about, you know, Wolverine in something close to his original appearance. Not necessarily his original appearance, like the Hulk 180, 181, because that mask was a little odd. But anything circa his first uh, joining the X-Men, that yellow costume, I. Plus having. A glow in the dark Wolverine, zombie Wolverine is pretty cool. So I, that one is, but that was that was always supposed to ship. That's September, wasn't it? Wasn't that was supposed to sep- so. ship in September? I think. I think the or August. Yeah, like because that. the Captain Universe one was always supposed to ship early. So that they obviously.
0: Well, so so speaking of Marvel zombies, because I mentioned Gambit, you're mentioning Wolverine. There's going to be a Venom, uh, uh, a Venom one. It's not a store exclusive, so it's just a common. So I pre-ordered that at GameStop, or sorry, ThinkGeek. Same thing, same company, but whatever. I pre-ordered that at ThinkGeek, which I also pre-ordered the Aerosmith Steve Tyler and the Willie Nelson Pop.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, pre-ordered and coming to me at some point. Right. (laughs) Well, so all of these are on the way uh, at various intervals, eBay auctions, pre-orders, all this stuff. In the middle of all this hell, over the past two, three weeks, I went from having an almost, almost complete Venom collection to being, like, four behind. (laughs) Because Walmart did their drop of the uh, Venomized Spider-Man, the one that's sort of a little gray and everything that's part of, like, the Maximum Venom line or whatever, I've got all of the Maximum Venom stuff, the, the Venomized Doctor Strange, the Venomized Captain Marvel, the Venomized Miles Morales. i got all of that. Couldn't get the Walmart exclusive. So, bam, behind. Then, like, a couple of days later, they dropped online the pop-in-a-box with a t-shirt combo of the Venomized Ghost Rider, the Blue Flame variant, Walmart exclusive. Missed that, right? I'm our, I told you guys I don't care much about chases. I want that kid Flash chase because the glow is insane. And, you know, when Flash runs, he generates lightning. So a light-up Flash would be fucking cool. Uh, but normally I don't give a shit about chases. The one chase I really want is the Agent Anti-Venom chase from Pop in a Box. I have the regular one. I don't have the anti-venom, the white one. And that's going for like $75 plus on the aftermarket right now. So I'm not spending that much money on a effing pop. So uh, I don't have it. So now I'm like three or four venomized things behind. Well, the other day, Walmart got a restock of, <laughs> of the Blue Flame Ghost Rider with a t-shirt combo. I purchased it immediately. The t-shirt size... Small <laughs> because that's all they had uh. left. <laughs> so uh that's all the pops I have on the way to me or have recently acquired in the time that I would have been at Emerald City Comic Con. I hope you guys have enjoyed my story. <laughs> oh also, if I sound better, it's because I have a professional audio setup in here now with a boom, a little vibrating stand, and a professional mic. Uh, so I'm actually standing right now. So it, if you were to see in here, you know those big swing arms, folks, that you see when you have someone doing an audio, uh, some visual shooting inside of a, uh, a radio studio? That's what I have in front of me.
1: <laughs> in his robe. So you're lucky we're not. So we're, we're not live on camera here. So,
0: you, so I got a nice 24 inch LED monitor now, a professional audio setup, and I've got like 15 pops either here or on the way.
1: <laughs> so you didn't, you did not order the glow in the dark I am Iron Man. Uh, no. Pop.
0: <laughs> no. But
1: if you wanted this, which I just noticed, which sucks because I already had mine pre-ordered. If you go to DCBS, you can get it for 11.99. <laughs> So, uh, unfortunately, my my pre-order price, I think, was 15 dollars uh, But, yeah, they, 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 you save – you save tw- or, or the Human Torch, actually. The Fantastic Four Human Torch is one of the Funkos they do have listed this month. Uh, so their Funkos are 20% off. And you may have noticed, but if not, that the that Entertainment Earth has the, what, buy three, get free shipping currently on Funkos. <laughs> so you might, oh. so might want to look just in case. <laughs> But I just happened to notice while you were talking, is like I was checking out the Funkos on DC CBS. It's like, yeah, that's the same glow in the dark I Am Iron Man uh, previews exclusive. It's like, damn, that would have been nice to get for a cheap price.
0: Chad is Chad is getting comic accurate DC and comic accurate Marvel.
1: Passing on the movies.
0: <laughs> Passing on the movies. The only movie pops I currently own are Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> Which is
1: actually funny because when I look at, it, see, we, we we shouldn't have announced we were doing the issue because we have enough for an episode right now. Maybe we should roll this over. Um, uh, I'm I go back and I look, and I'm not saying that just out of desperation because I would love to kick this can down the road one more week. The if I look at most of the pops that I have, almost all of them are movie are movie pops. They're not comic book pops. I I mean, I have a
0: few. Let me look. Let's see. I mean, I don't
1: have them in front of me, so I'm going by memory, but like ones that are comic books, I know uh, I have the one that was in the collector's core like from Avengers, what, 57 with the first appearance of the Vision. So that actually, so that's a comic accurate pop. I have the the Hot Topic shared...
0: Oh, I lied. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have some, but the Hot Topic shared
1: uh, exclusive Colossus, the metal Colossus. Um, That's that's another that's another comic book one. Uh, Doctor Doom, you'd have to say the Doctor Doom I just got was was comic book. So is uh protecting the Captain the Captain Universe one. But most most of what I have off the top, thinking of what else I have, I guess Man Thing you could make the case that's comic book too. The the Flocked the Flocked Man Thing. But almost all the Star Wars ones, almost all the Star Wars ones. Actually, you can say them all because the ones that aren't from the movies are from the are based on the Clone Wars. So that's still not based on comics. So all the Star Wars ones are based on movies or the animated show. I most of the uh, most of the pops I have related to the, to the Avengers are related to the, the movies. I, mean, I have so many caps. I have even the one Iron Man I currently have, which was from Age of Ultron. I have a bunch of Spider Man. I have two Spider Man. One from Civil War and that two-pack that came with Hawkeye and the and one of the ones from uh, Far From Home and I Mysterio. So yeah, if I go back and I look at just just rolling through these in, the, in in my head, the overwhelming majority number of pops that I do have are are from either and you throw in a couple of TV show ones like the Daenerys and uh, Masande and, and the Daenerys on Drogon from uh, the Bells episode. Uh, last season that I have almost everything I have are not from comics or not comic accurate.
0: So I have I have Bill and Ted like I said my Marvel collection is comic pure except for two and that is uh, the Glow in the Dark Vulture and the Glow in the Dark Mysterio. Those are based on the recent MCU Spider-Man movies. So I have those Um My DC collection is pure except for Shazam. Shazam is based on the movie, but that's because the only other Shazam pop is like one of the originals. And it's like a $150, $175 pop. So I'm definitely not getting an OG Shazam. And the the movie one looks close enough. It's just like, you know, why not? It looks – I mean, it it looks – Pretty damn comic accurate to me, based on like, you know, new 52 and forward design, costume design. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I also have the Batman uh, Arkham Asylum uh, Joker, the purple chrome one from Target. Um, I didn't really care about any of the other chromes, but I like the color of the purple and it kind of fits with Joker. So I got that. And the only other one that could be considered – well, there's two. I've got the Mark Hamill pop, the one where it's Mark Hamill's head on the Joker's body. So that one's cool, but, I mean, that's because, you know, Mark Hamill voiced the Joker. He's such an iconic thing. When I saw that was being released, I had to have that. And the only other one you could consider is not necessarily comic accurate, but because of the podcast we do, it totally makes sense that I have it, is the Leonard Hofstetter from Big Bang Theory dressed as Green Lantern. Otherwise, the only TV pops I have are strictly Community, and the only mar- uh, movie pops I have are strictly Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And
1: I did forget, excuse me, I did forget the act, you know the Green Lantern pops that I have, the uh, the White Lantern Kyle that we both have.
0: Yeah, you have the glow, I have the right, regular, right? I don't
1: those as a two as a deal, and the Sinestro Corps Batman, I have that and I have I want that
0: don't have that yet.
1: He I, he doesn't glow. I mean, he's supposed to glow. I've never really noticed a particularly good glow off of him. I'm pretty sure that one's another glow in the dark one. And I have Hal. I have I have Hal. So I forgot those because they're they're actually open and they're up they're up they're up here. They're not in the computer room, but they're up they're upstairs during where I have some of my green lantern stuff on display in the living room. So I almost forgot about so, those, but those are technically comic book
0: accurate. So I have uh, White Lantern Flash, White Lantern Wonder Woman, White Lantern Kyle Rayner, and the metallic Blue Lantern Flash. Those are in pot protectors in my display case. They're not on the shelves on the walls. The only Green Lantern that is not in the display case, other than the Leonard Hofstadter Big Bang Theory one, is the... That's on the shelf with all the other DC stuff. Oh, I just remembered, speaking of green, and St. Patrick's Day, I, I ordered, uh, pre-ordered another pop yesterday. Uh, Funko is doing these pop-around-the-world things where it's like, um, you know, uh, one for Brazil and one for, you know, like these various countries, and they come with like a little pin and everything. St. Patrick's Day is my single favorite holiday of all time. Uh, will continue to be. I have the Harry. I don't collect Harry Potter pops. I don't collect, uh, you know, basketball pops or anything like that. But I do have the Harry Potter um, Emerald City Comic Con last year uh, exclusive three pack of the Weasleys uh, in the Irish uh, gear that they had for the uh, Quidditch World Cup. I got that, uh, and I recently acquired the uh, the Notre Dame leprechaun mascot pop, uh, just so I have that. Uh, yesterday on the Funko Shop, because yesterday was St. Patrick's Day as we record this, Funko released the Pop Around the World Finley, uh, which is the Ireland Pop for Pop Around the World. It's really cool. It's this uh, fox who is dressed in sort of like your your atypical leprechaun looking suit. He's holding a clover. He's got a top hat. Uh, you know, and he's he's a, a, an orange sort of fox. So he the the color kind of goes very well with him. Uh, so I pre-ordered that, too, for my – I don't want to call it a St. Patrick's collection, but, I mean, it probably is. I've i have sort of gotten into the habit of decorating with pops, not to an extreme level, but in a sort of subtle way. So the uh, it'll be part of my St. Patrick's exclusive collection, which basically means it's only going to come out of uh, storage once a year. I'm not going to put those on the shelf. <laughs>
1: I I I think it's still available, I, I, but I still kind of regret not playing the trigger on the Captain American Captain America Snowman Pop because I thought that that
0: was cool looking. Yeah,
1: that was cause that would be, for that very same reason. That would be that would be a, a cool thing just to just to take out if, during your your Christmas decorations. That would be something that would be pretty. Uh, so that's that's the main reason why I thought about getting it because for that reason it would be pretty neat. It would be pretty. I
0: neat. did. I did that with uh, the Pop Towns that Funko put out last Christmas of the uh, uh, unique line that they themselves created called Peppermint Lane. And those are Funko Pop Towns where it's like Santa in his PJs but with the the workshop and then Mrs. Claus next to um, their house and then – um, the mayor of the town, which is a Christmas tree and, and that, and then they snowman mailman with the North Poles, uh, post office, you know, and it's sort of reminiscent. It's like, it's like a cool cross between those like ceramic expensive villages that people set up for Christmas that are just impossible to maintain unless you're just very, very delicate with taking them out, placing them, storing them, like all this stuff but just like a plastic Funko alternative that lights up. I thought that was cool. So I was like, okay, this is like half Christmas decoration, half collectible. I I went with, I got most all of the peppermint lane stuff, but that's, again, that's all in storage.
1: No, it's, it's, it's once you start, it's kind of like the dark side. Once you start down that Funko path, it's kind of hard to turn back. Uh, At some point, like everything else, it, it'll start losing its lustre, or we'll move on to something else. But there, there, sometimes because it's it's hard. Sometimes you see one that's not even you don't have a strong attachment to either the character or whatever, and it's like, wow, that's really it just looks really nice. I think I might get that. And it's like it's like I don't know, <laughs> and yet and you have to think like Doctor Doctor Doom was like that for me. I mean, we've talked about Doctor Doom. I like Doctor Doom as a character. Uh, you can p- almost take it to the bank at some point when things go back t- when things go p- get back on uh, back on track. That you know, Doctor Doom will be showing up at some point in the MCU. That I thought about. It's like, do I really need it? It's like, do I really need that? It's like, and I and, and I really thought about getting the Johnny Storm one. And it's like, well, you know, I I talked myself out of that one easily enough because I already. Had not that long ago, at Target, this was all at Target, I had bought the original Human Torch.
0: Yep, I have that one. That one's pretty damn cool, cool looking.
1: Uh, and I liked the way they did kind of... And and it was in classic, original Human Torch fashion, like Toro. I mean, Toro was a little different, because I think Toro was always a little darker, and less with the lines on him, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly. But, those versions of the Human Torch, you never saw the face, you never saw the eyes. So that was kind of the way, one of the way, distinguishing differences between the Jim Hammond uh, Human Torch and Johnny Storm one. So I saw the Johnny Storm one, and it's like, well, it's cool, but I don't really need it because I have the original Human Torch one instead. And I have a fondness towards the original Human Torch because, of course, of the original origin of his android body being the basis of what the vision, how the vision was created. So I have Mm -hmm. him next to the one vision pop that I have open, the Ultron, Age of Ultron, uh, movies, vision, that I have the original Human Torch next to him. So, nice. yeah, so, sometimes you gotta resist, it, it's hard, I mean, and I'm glad, and we both got the Venomized Green Goblin.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, that's right, that, uh, we, we both got that recently.
1: Yes, we, and that's cool, I mean, some of the Venom I mean, and the venom- venomized pops are cool in general. I'm obviously attached to the character the way you are, where it's gonna it's in your, it's in your wheelhouse. But it's the Green Goblin, so that's in my wheelhouse, and it's a really the way they incorporated combining the two, that works really well. So having a having a Norman Osborn Green Goblin pop with you know, with the extra venom twist to it, yeah, that was that was pretty neat in case I ever and if I ever to decide to open it and have it you know, interact with the, any of the Spider-Man pops that I have that would be cool too so
0: yeah if I ever get rid of pops and you know eventually someone always downsizes is it five years from now is it 20 who knows I don't think I'll get rid of my Venomize collection I think that's one of the few that'll, that'll end up staying I think obviously my Lantern stuff is safe and I'm pretty sure Bill and Ted is safe just because of all the Bill and Ted stuff that I have just in general, not just pop related. Um, But I mean, like I'm looking at my DC stuff right now and I really like my DC and I really like my community. I really like all the the rocks pops. Like I've got, travis barker and mark Opus from blink 182 in front of me you know like that's, that's just a cool ass looking pop and the box design's really well done they put a cool little blink 182 insert in there uh the billy idol pop with his like you know bare chest but open leather jacket and he's got the his like narrowed eyes it's one of the few pops with an actual mouth on it like the the freddie mercury in the wembley stadium outfit johnny cash with his guitar behind his back i mean some of these pops are just so freaking cool. And the, the rocks pops that I get, the musicians, I get because these are bands that meant something to me or artists that meant something to me uh, growing up. So, you know, I've got the entire uh, I, I've got Joe Elliott, Phil Collin, Rick Allen, Rick Savage and Vivian Campbell. I've got all the, the Def Leppard. I've got Sting. I've got Johnny Cash, Freddie Mercury, Billy Idol, Justin Timberlake. I've got two different uh, Angus Young pops because I really love ACDC. I've got, like I said, Travis Barker, Mark Hopas. i got two different Elton John pops. I'm getting Willie Nelson. I'm getting Steve Tyler from Aerosmith. Like, I don't get every musician pop, but I thought it was cool to have my pops like, just aesthetically looking. Like, I've got my records mounted on the wall over here to my left in this cool little metal box thing. So having my records, my vinyls, right next to my classic rock-related or, or, or the musicians that I really love pops, you know. My my ECDC pops are next to my A C D C vinyl, <laughs> you know, so you know, it's uh one day I'm sure I'll downsize, but for now, I think I'm good with the collections I do keep. And now that I've sort of defined what I am collecting, I think I've got a handle on it. It's just the problem is, you know, they, they keep releasing new stuff. The weird thing is though, it's like there were so many exclusive pops for Emerald City Comic Con. And we got one. DC Comics pop one, and that was Zatanna. So it's like the stuff I've decided to collect. They're not releasing a ton of, so I feel safe. But also at the same time, I just told you guys about like twenty different pops that I have on the way. <laughs> so uh, I think I think the two things that are getting me in trouble are my comic accurate Marvel, my Venomized collection, and uh, those are the two that are really sticking it to me. The Rocks ones, it seems like the Rocks are going to be a problem soon, because I'm still kind of on the fence about the James Brown pop, and I'm still kind of on the fence about the ZZ Top pops. Because I like those bands, and I listen to them a lot, uh, those musicians, and I listen to them a lot growing up. Just not as much as like Johnny Cash or ACDC or Def Leppard. So it's like, do I really want the ZZ Top? And they announce it like the pop the entire pop is not going to be flocked but their beards are going to be flocked it's like ah, that's so cool <laughs> so i am trying over here guys it's 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 a, it's a, an addiction you have to manage
1: <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where in a couple of weeks we'll find out Chad has no food he he has no toilet paper but he has more and more pops on the way. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: But as long as Chad's happy, and since he won't be leaving the house anyway, doesn't really matter.
0: Well, if you're if you're in the house, you have time to read comics, but they have to be comics you want to read, right? Right. So, so I mean, we have
1: to, we still have to do this. It's, we've been recording for like an hour and a half. We can't push you back. <laughs>
0: just rip the band-aid off oh, man
1: man i was so, getting so excited about it not by not by str- not because it was planned but just because hey it's like hey it's all it's almost 11 mark it's almost eleven thirty. 30 we could we
0: could roll this over mark yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna make this easy on you man it'll be a brief recap and i have a rant oh you have a rant i have a rant oh okay all right so i'll
1: i'll I should challenge myself to do, like, a 50-word or less recap. <laughs> uh,
0: only, only... A, that would be a miracle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, I'm not, sure, I'm not quite sure how to take that. Um, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah. The, the, yeah. Okay, we'll get back to that at another point.
0: <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I'm teasing. That wasn't a, a dig that revealed truth underneath it. Uh,
1: that's pretty much what digs, what digs always do reveal. Um, yeah. The... What I was about to say was that I should have do like a – see if I could do like a 50 – maybe a 100 word would be better. Challenge only on special issues when we know Chad has a rant. <laughs> but the reality is it would depend on what else we're planning on talking about. All right. So I'm going to do – I'm going to cut to the chase on this. I'm probably – because I've only actually read this issue like technically probably like 1.5 times and then maybe skim oh. and skim the end – Um. A,
0: that's 0. 0.5 times too many.
1: I would agree with that, but I'm just saying for the sake of accuracy, I'm going to I'm going to try to I'm going to try to be as accurate as I can, but the odds are I will over I will gloss over or confuse a point or two. As would Chad, will throw me a lifeline if he if he paid more attention than me, which he probably did. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm giving you the credit here, uh, but let's just let's just roll with this. So this is the Cosmodor conspiracy. Um, Gotta love the cover. Exiled on planet Earth, can space cop Hal Jordan stop a terrifying invasion from the dawn of time?
0: Uh, Give it some credit where credit's due. Very Silver Age cover. It is. It kind of,
1: and, and and these orthonoids, they kind of remind me a little of... It's like the Vulture. It's like the, the Vulture and the Griffin character from Marvel, like all combined into one, and it, it kind of has a... It's, it's similar to those characters, uh, but I did like. To,
0: they, they they are a Silver Age pool from I think Green Lantern fifty
1: eight. Which is interesting because I thought that, but when during my initial searching for some of these terms, I didn't I didn't find it. But I I did remember hearing about that before the issue came out that that the Orthonoids wore a throwback, which would make sense because hey, it's Morrison, Morrison. Okay, so. The issue begins in this so-called Cosmodor City. It's five districts dedicated to scientific exp- exploration and, and future tech and all this crap. And while this Mister Doramus guy, who is the father of Hal Shackup from the first issue of this series, Eve, uh, while he's showing this off to a few people, to people that he that he knows, all of a sudden we see like these claws of these bird-like creatures come out and. Then, then, we, then we get a whole lot of exposition between Eve and Hal and if I swear to god if this chick said daddy one more time in this issue I was just going to like slap her through the page that got old like after the third time she did it daddy 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 and not in any kind of weird sexual way either she's talking about her father it's like stop it uh, so so basically you know, her, fa- her father's in trouble Hal's there trying to figure out what's going on and help her we got this huge feather which I I do kind of like. That is a nice touch. I just like the way when Hal says it's either a monster bird or a giant 19th century novelist. (laughs) Pretty, pretty out of the box for Hal Jordan. (laughs) It's like, then, then, while he, he and Eve are are interacting, we get this, we we get this, this character, what's his, what's his friggin' name, Johnny Blue, who's got this predator-like alien mask, which basically is what it is. This mask is an alien. Uh, and I still don't quite understand the whole mask thing. In all honesty, in this issue, but but these masks end up at some point they end up taking over every taking over the ca- uh, Hal and they took over Eve. And Hal's ring is telling him something about the com- that something is screwing up the communication because Hal's ring is saying that there's some kind of blanket transmission affecting your speech center. So he really some so the com- the communication is not normal at least as far as Green Lantern's ring is concerned. Hal. Tells the ring to play possum so they can see where the, these alien mass are taking taking everybody, and we find out that they're kind of the pawns of these orthanoids, who are not aliens, but they're from, basically from um, the, from remnants from what our past, and they're plotting to take you know to to lay their eggs and take and ha- take over take over the world and this that and the other thing, and essentially that, but they're so what are they they're in, they're in partnership with these aliens the alien masks or something what is it yeah and the partnership doesn't really last it doesn't work really too well because Hal's able to take them you know Hal's able to help take them out he's able to convince these orthanoids that uh and there's two and there's two clashing orthanoid leaders you know one more and one more of a good guy or more sympathetic to you know, to us, if you will, and not just taking over the world. on one, of course, who's got a different set of agenda. The whole plan was to have their children born and be and be, you know, be and who, like like birds, whoever they see first or who they are going to be attached to. And of course, the irony is they see Hal first, which I kind of I did like that part. That was a nice part of the issue. And Hal pretty much convinces them, Hey, we're gonna we'll take you guys to another world, and you're gonna be under the protection of the Guardians of the Universe, and everything's gonna be okay. Uh, I do like the fact that the new, the, the that the the new guardians, the young guardians, show up when Hal's taking a whiz. That's kind of a nice, that's kind of a nice touch. Hal says goodbye to Eve. He starts leaving, and we see other like flying creatures in the background as Hal's leaving. And that's pretty much my re- recap of this issue.
0: I'm gonna talk for a while. So, uh, what did you, first? What did you think?
1: For an issue that should have been more straightforward, I think some of the, some of the Dialogue and just kind of, kind of bogged it down. I like the art. The art was really good. I again, the art is very Silver Age. I also see the I re, the art does kind of remind me a little of the Gerard Jones run at times. There's aspects of that I think during the whole uh, Sharp uh, Morrison run. It was okay. There were some, and I didn't want to be nitpicky, but there were some things that bugged me right off the bat. Eve was Eve was annoying me the the birds the bird creatures were okay I did like to reveal that they weren't aliens you know the masks were the aliens and but we I mean not that that was a big you know spoiler alert because I mean knew the mask was an alien it became pretty clear almost as soon as we get the introduction like a page from a page or two of the reintroduction of the orthanoids into Green Lantern lore that they were not you know aliens that they were basically a product of our creatures from our past Live, who lived, you know, in, in the earth? So it was, it was okay. I thought this was a step backwards as far as the overall narrative structure that Morrison has been going with, at least in the first issue of the season, and even the Black Stars, as relatively u- useless. I think both, as unmemorable as that three-issue arc was, I think we both would agree, at least it was kind of a straightforward story. And I think this kind of, this kind of goes back to when you think of what grant morrison could do that you might not like that's what this issue reminds me of so hmm. go ahead rant away
0: <clears throat> so you know when chad starts off with qualifying statements
1: uh <laughs> morrison all right. Ignorant slut.
0: <laughs> all right so first of all and and, and i am speaking directly to liam <laughs> Uh, because I know he listens to a lot of various reviews about his content and stuff like that. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a uh, active, loyal listener of every episode of The Lantern Cast. If you are, Liam, fantastic. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. It's great to have comic professionals out there listening to our stuff. I love your work, man. Uh, I wasn't a fan at the beginning. I will fully admit that. I had some problems with it. But over every issue, man, you make me love your stuff. This issue is no exception. I really enjoy the work you're doing here. Fantastic book, artistically speaking. Your partner, however.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I'm
0: kind of glad you're going there because first,
1: first, first you concerned me that you were actually going to go after Liam the way you started that introduction. No,
0: no, no. Now, it's a partnership, right? Liam is very obviously not just doing a job, but in the comics industry, this is such a creative profession. Liam, uh, it's just, again, I, I act like I'm speaking directly to you. He may never hear this. Who, who the hell knows? I understand that there is some protection, some sort of maybe babying around the content that you have for this. This is just as much your creative baby as it is Grant's. Uh, I, I'm not going after uh the entire partnership and everything. I'm not trying I'm honestly not even trying to shut down Grant. Just Grant on this specific title in certain instances because I will tell everybody listening very frankly what I think about something. I would love to have Grant on the show. I would love to have Liam on the show. Hell I would actually prefer to have Grant on the show over Liam, not because I, I like Grant more. I want to give Grant a platform to ask us all the effing – so we can ask him all the effing questions we want to, to give him a chance to explain his effing book to us so that we can try and get some love out of it even more. Kind of like we did with the guy who was over on uh, – what was his name, man? Uh, uh, on Green Lantern Corps. We Boy, interviewed Van him. Jensen. Uh, Van Jensen. Love the dude. Van Jensen's fantastic. Uh, I I openly admit to being critical of his work uh, prior to that interview, but after speaking with him, not only just having such a you know talking to such a cool dude and just in general like a a human being but getting some more context and stuff man retroactively i like his stuff so much more than i did when i was actually reading it i would love to have that experience with grant morrison not just because oh my god guys lantern cast has grant morrison on the podcast our listeners are going to go crazy that's not it i would love nothing more than to love another green lantern book morrison please come on the show and do that i want to like your book you know why you're pulling silver age shit out of the thin blue air that people had just fucking forgotten about and that is effing brilliant man that's fantastic and you have a wonderful partner in liam sharp who can make this feel like the stuff you're referencing but still be modern and that's amazing but the last time we left this, this series, Hal got in a trucker's truck after hitchhiking on the highway. And I opened this book, and he's at a futuristic sort of weird-ass city on maybe another planet, I don't know, talking to Birdman. What the fuck <laughs> happened between issue one and two?
1: It was a bad trip, man.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to stop yelling. My, my roommate may be home. You may not. I don't, I don't want to. Anyways i'm gonna try and tone it down but i'm keeping this what the hell happened because grant is great look again some more qualifying statements grant morrison wouldn't still be in this industry if he wasn't fantastic at what he does grant morrison thinks differently than other comic book writers and sometimes it works fantastically and sometimes it's a fucking shit show and you know what that's fantastic comics are no longer just for kids they haven't been for some time let's put some thought some depth some interesting stuff some deep cuts some cool pulls a different twist on an old concept whatever let's do that one of the reasons I love G- Jeff Johns run especially like in blackest night it's like look not only is there hope and will but guess what hope is nothing without will to back it up so the the blue lanterns can't do something unless there's a green lantern around them doesn't that make sense like oh my god I didn't think that you' the thing about this in such cool ways. I'm not being a grant uh, a Jeff Johns apologist right now. I'm just saying that like that's an example of comics just being a little bit more than just what they were for kids. I am all for it. I'm all for depth. I'm all for added stuff. I am not all for being lost when I pick up a comic book, especially a comic I pick up regularly. It's one thing if you're reading a bunch of books and you pick up regularly and you enjoy a title and you're like, man, I can't wait for next issue. And then a month goes by and you're like, oh, wait, where the hell were we? It's another if I have now, because of your insanity, made it a point to go back and at least read the issue for it so i know where we're we where we left off so i'm not feeling lost not just for the podcast but for myself as a green lantern fan and if i were to stack issue one of season two and issue two on top of each other I treated it like i was reading a trade paperback when i turned the page from the last page of issue one to the first page of issue two what the holy fuck happened It's been one thing for us for a long time to sit here and say we shouldn't – we are the quote-unquote lanternologists. That doesn't mean we have an encyclopedic knowledge of Green Lantern and we know everything and nobody else should ever claim to be experts. That's not what we're saying with that. This, But this podcast has been on the air for 12 years and we have a lot of Green Lantern knowledge. We shouldn't have to research this much to understand and enjoy a Green Lantern comic. You want to go deep cut, you want to go ethereal, you want to go crazy, fine, let's have a little bit of that. But if you go full bonkers batshit on every panel, if we weren't doing this show, I would have dropped this series with this issue right here. This issue pissed me off. So much that after I got done reading it in preparation for the show for the first time, I put it down and went, what the holy fuck was that? Out loud in an empty apartment. Liam, I love your work. Grant. Grant. You've done some fantastic stuff. I'm all for deep thinking in comics. I'm all for unique, interesting takes. I'm all for so many cool references you're making to the Silver Age. But what in the holy fuck was that issue? I would like to give some credit to Blog of Oa and Myron. Because Myron wrote up a review when I pulled the uh, issue number of Green Lantern number 58 out of my ass earlier. I didn't get that on my own. It was because I went over to Blog of Oa to read Myron's review of this issue. Normally, I do not do that because it's not like the blog and podcast of Oa and the Lantern Cast are competing. We're friends. We talk all the time. But I so thoroughly disliked the way this issue was given to us like this that I just, in a world where COVID insanity is driving us all up a wall and everything is bleak, I was like, I can't be just negative about everything. Let me go find Myron's take on this because he's obviously feeling very positive about this series. So I did. And Myron makes some great points about the references, the deep cuts, the thoughts. I'm not going to read his stuff verbatim to you. I want to give him traffic. Go to com. Read his review written up on this. The Cosmodor City is what originally appeared in Green Lantern 58. The Ornithomen actually originally appeared in the Flash volume number 125. Uh, as uh, Issue number 125. As a time-traveling Wally West encounters the half-bird, half-man species, which inhabited the Earth in ancient times. So Ornithomen... From a Flash issue way back when, the uh, City uh, is from an an old issue of Green Lantern. Those are references. Myron did that research. All praise to Myron. Uh, Fantastic. You want a positive spin on this stuff, go read all of his reviews on this, because quite frankly... Reviewing comics is subjective to your taste. It is and always has been. I completely understand that there are people out there who just worship the very ground Morrison walks on and will love this. I also completely account for the idea that maybe, just maybe, 10, 20 Even five years from now, this issue could just be... Not this issue. This series by Morrison and Sharp could just be revered as being a turning point in comics or something really deep and meaningful or whatever. It could be historic to just Green Lantern. It could be historic to DC. It could be historic to comics. It does not matter what the future holds for this. Right now, I'm pissed. And I would have, as a Green Lantern fan stopped picking up this series with this issue morrison and sharp i go back and listen to old episodes of this show we have said several times wow man that was actually a less morrison or like a really (laughs) good or that was really unique or like whatever it's it's these peaks and valleys man it's just like we're riding this wave of oh that was okay or that was interesting Oh, maybe we're kind of turning things around. At the end of issue one, I was like, man. The old Guardians are off to do this sort of stuff. Hal's a lantern again. Oh, shit, he's on Earth. Oh, damn, he's hitchhiking. He's in a truck. He's traveling across the country. Oh, shit, I heard that Hal's coming back to Earth this season and Green Lantern season two. This is going to be fun. This seems like the beginning of that. And then you pick up this issue and you kicked me right in the fucking balls. (laughs)
1: Oh, this one's for you, Chad. Boom! Ah! I think the thing you touched upon, which which is... It does make it frustrating. And and I think it's completely a valid criticism, is that there is an inconsistency that... Now, it would make us like the book more, clearly. But if the majority... If almost every issue was like this at least that's what the book would be and we and Chad and I would probably both clearly based on what Chad expressed that we would both pro- not particularly like the series very much if every issue was like this but at least this that's what the book would be that's the identity the book would have the way it is now there is no consistency and even in the first the first year of this book it was like that that you had many issues. You had the majority of the issues of the first, of the first year that were surprisingly straightforward, but then you had that all, all that stuff with the, with the, with the, what the hell was it? The cord man. What the hell was he? Qua man. Uh, I was close. Uh, those issues with all these characters being shoehorned in from different places and and it's like oh my god i mean some of them yeah. I mean obviously we spent some time looking them up which again like you pointed out and we have before you should not have to do that on a regular basis to enjoy this comic you shouldn't have to do it to become or you're completely lost but we did some 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 characters we remember some characters we looked up either way that was a crappy way to end that first year on the book. But the majority of the issues were straightforward, with a few bumps along the way. Then you had the the little Black Stars mini, which was really straightforward. There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, it was Morrison dialed down to five or six, which I think Chad and I both overall (laughs) prefer. And even issue one of this season wasn't... It might have been dialed up a little bit more, but it wasn't much. Now you have the going full Morrison kind of in this issue, and the this is the example, and there are other examples that we've we've done, dealt with over the last uh, year plus now. There are other examples of this, but this is an issue, and I even and I think I even said this to you before that this is one of these issues where when you think about when when you heard about Grant Morrison coming on this book. And you thought about what it could be on the negative side. It's kinda of like an issue like this is what you what you kind of feared, or what you could imagine it being. Where, where it's not the story itself is not overly enjoyable. It's not the worst story conceptually. But the way it's presented, it's just it's just not a lot of fun. And it's just, you know, a lot of stuff shoehorned into this, uh, It's just... Yeah. I... I'm a little... I mean, on one level, I'm surprised you dislike it as much only because you didn't express this to me previously, but we also haven't discussed this issue much other than the fact that I made it crystal clear that I was not not a fan of this issue and and nor was I looking forward to doing the review of it because... I was
0: edging myself for this episode.
1: (laughs) Because it's just... It's an, it's twofold. It's inherently easier to do it's inherently easier to review an episode when you don't feel like when you when you feel like you have full control over what was <laughs> what you were reading and you understand it and you're not like grasping at straws or hoping that oh I really hope that I interpreted this correctly. Oh I really hope that I didn't miss this. Uh and just when you enjoy the issue too. Now forget about understanding it when you enjoy it. So this, but when you have a combination where you don't particularly enjoy it, and while you understand most of it, but there's enough in it that just makes you want to bang your head against the wall sometimes because of all the either the dialogue or so things that have been thrown out there, it's like, no, this was. And mind you, this is kind of funny too, putting it in context. When we had that comment a few weeks ago, when 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 Corwin what pointed out something you and I had already talked about, the idea that the the fact that the second "quote-unquote" season of this has been pushed back to twelve issues instead of eight, because it was originally was cut down to eight because of the stupid Gen five fifth, fifth uh, you know fifth Gen stuff that during the, the Do plan that a lot of these books I guess were going to be we're going to be ending early, and now that's not true anymore because obviously the is out in the wilderness, but that. You know, Corwin just assumed I would be unhappy with the fact that Morrison was going to be on the book longer and I said well actually no I wasn't because we know the original plan was for him to have obviously a full 12 issues in, in the second year on the book so why would I want to cut short because we've been down that road before having stories either truncated or handed off to other people and it's, it almost always turns out to be a mess so I'd rather have his vision whatever it is play out and then I take that position and then we get rewarded
0: with this <laughs> Um, so it's, look, it's, it's one thing when a comic, um, frustrates you at times and then gains back a little bit your of, of your fandom and favor and excitement, uh, and kind of plays that, that tug of war, um, with, with things. It's another, uh, I am actively angry right now with this series. You have pissed me off. Not only do you have to kind of now work to earn my uh, trust back to in terms of like, uh, oh, that last issue was was a little weird. Can we kind of get back to something I can more easily digest? And I'm not saying I – again, I've said it multiple times. I shouldn't have to say it again. I'm not saying I can't handle deep stuff. I, I, would, I, I would love more of it. I'd love more philosophical and different takes and things like that. I, sh- I just shouldn't feel – lost we opened this issue not only in a completely different space than we did last time when we left the last issue we have completely changed the lingo here and now there's an in-story reason for why hal is speaking like a fucking weirdo uh in in this issue uh using words that hal jordan would never use in a way that hal jordan would never use them There's an in-story reason for that, but when you don't explain that until halfway or three-fourths of the way through the story, it just serves to make me feel even more fucking lost. So all you did this issue was piss me off. I am actively angry at your series now. So me going into the rest of these issues is going to be a hard-fought battle. And you know what? Not every comic series, not every comic creator, not every piece of comic content, no matter what media is in, has to be for everybody. You know what? Maybe Liam Sharp and Grant Morrison's book just isn't for me. I'm not their audience, and they shouldn't have to fight to get my fandom back. That is totally, completely logical and fine, but I'm not the only one feeling this way. We have a 21-second voicemail I'm going to play right now, and if I need to edit the and just drop the actual audio in rather than just putting it on my speakerphone and playing it on this high-quality mic, then I'll do that. But I'm going to play it right now for one of our listeners.
1: Hey, Leonard. Hey, Leonard, Cass. I just wanted to say uh, I totally agree with you on Mars uh, Sector as such a superior book to that Grant Morrison nightmare that's been coming out for way too long now. Um Have a good one. not have much say. Bye. Simple but says it, right?
0: <laughs> That's one person in agreement with me in addition to Mark who seems to agree with, not as severely, but seems to agree with me a little bit here. There's a trend now happening in the Green Lantern community. I'm not going to poach Myron and uh, and uh, uh, Phil's content over from Podcast of But Myron posted a link to his review, and one of our friends, Jesse Stewart, responded to it, saying, you know, usually I agree with you, essentially, usually I agree with you, but you're wrong, (laughs) essentially, this is a 2 out of 10 for me, in terms of a rating. Mark, myself, Jesse, I know for sure, long-term Green Lantern fans. I'm not sure about the person who left us this voicemail, they didn't leave us their name um uh by the way guys if if you if, if uh, i, I we would love to thank you for i mean obviously thank you anyway whoever left that voicemail clearly you're listening to it but we'd love to give you a shout out by name thank you so much for using the voicemail line 708 lantern uh <laughs> Uh. but uh you know that's 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 four people i'm assuming he's a long-term green lantern fan four people already uh and and again the comics world is huge so four people is a barely anything but um, look up Green Lantern related stuff on social media with relation to the Liam Sharp and Grant Morrison series and uh, it's not just four people uh, this is a very divisive series and it just got worse
1: it was oh but well, not defending it at all but realistically we we knew this we knew this book was going to be divisive uh, not not divisive in the sense of oh like in, in a political way where you know there was going to be an over you know you were going to get force fed an agenda all throughout the series and whether you're, and if you were a fan of that agenda you'd you'd like the book and the odds are if you weren't you really would despise it like we've seen you know whether it's in movies or comics or novels we that we get that that's not that kind of divisive we just know that Morrison he's a unique maybe acquired maybe not acquired, but it's a unique taste. Either you'll, The people who really like Morrison really like him, and there's a lot of people that don't like Morrison or are neutral on Morrison. Uh, and that's true for a lot of writers. It's not a unique thing to Grant Morrison. But we knew when Grant Morrison was given, was... Got this book. It was cool that a high-profile writer wanted this book. It, the story again, how kind of like Dan Didio kind of talked him into taking this book when it's not like he was really pitching to get the book. It was just a conversation about what he would do with the with a Green Lantern book if he or with Green Lantern if he if he was writing him, and boom, and that ended up becoming Greg Morrison getting this book. So it's so assuming that's true, it's kind of a cool story. And since Morrison was not a huge Hal Jordan guy at all in the past that it's cool that he came up with a way, in his mind's eye, of making Hal Jordan an interesting enough character for him where he'd want to write Green Lantern, Hal Jordan stories, and not just do it for a mini, not even just do it for a year, that he seems to in, in going to at least stick around for two years on this book. We don't know if he's going to stick around for more. We don't, But then again, we don't know much about DC at this point because of all the whole Dan DiDios crap and the fallout from 5G. Uh, the reality is, so this book was always going to be divisive. Uh, now, mind you, from a sales perspective, it's still sal it's still not too bad. In a sales perspective, it's still like in the top 30. Uh, at least, at, at least the first issue of season uh, two was in the top. Actually, it's in the yeah, definitely in the top 30. No matter what metric you use to to rate it, it's the estimated units were like forty-one thousand two hundred and forty-two, so it's behind Falcon in *The Winter Soldier* and ahead of X-Force. Uh, so it's not so in a way. Certainly, certainly DC is not going to be moving to push Grant Morrison out if Morrison really wants to stay anytime soon. There is not enough of a pushback from us, even from a sales perspective, for them to want to change this book right now. Uh, Because this obviously, generally speaking, Green Lantern is selling better than it's sold in a while, especially for a book that. Now you can make the case, obviously, that was a number one issue, and that's the asterisk that even though we know it's just the second, the second year of him doing this book, it has a number one on it, so that's probably boosted some sales. It'll be more interesting to see what how many how many units like this issue sells. So that might be more of a val. But generally speaking, I think the Morrison book has been has done fairly well so far for sales I think it's certainly I think it's doing better Without, I haven't been paying as much attention as I should so maybe I'll do that for next episode but comparing it to like where Venditti was towards the end of that run
0: Depping. So, oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, uh. So I, 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 wanted to wrap up my thoughts by saying I, I, sort of trailed off towards the end of my the last thing I said uh, when I said I, we didn't want to, I, I didn't want to poach uh, Blog of Oa's podcast of Oa's content by reading one of their their, uh, their Twitter replies to the posting about their the Myron's review of this issue. Uh, well, I said you know Jesse said essentially you're wrong. I wasn't calling out Myron. Love Myron. Uh, by the way, Myron, I'm pretty sure the number that he's been saying when he re- references his history and experience with reading Green Lantern, reading Green Lantern for 40 years. Okay. Uh, Myron is one of the people I would go to if I had a question about things. So his take his uh, spin on things is invaluable to you as a Lantern fan, no matter what you feel about any given Lantern related series or title. So please go over to blog of OA and read his review about this issue. If you 100% agree with everything I said about this issue, still go read his take on it. Because it's good to get a longtime fan who's seeing this in a different light's perspective on this. So at least you have the full picture. Never stay in your own little bubble on things. Try to take in different opinions. It's one of the things wrong with this world. Just do it. The other thing I want to say, again, Liam if you're listening, Grant if you're listening – DC! Anybody at DC, if you're listening, or anybody who has in contact with the DC, I'm not being a gatekeeper when I try and say, I want Morrison on this show, or I want Liam on this show. And I say, I would love to them to explain, to pitch me their series. I am not somebody sitting on a golden throne, and I am the one who makes your book successful or not. That's not what I'm trying to say. I am begging one of them, both of them, to come on the show and tell me what's so great about their series. not I want to like it. If, if, if this book is not for me, then it's not for me, and that's fine. Everybody out there, it is completely fine if this book isn't for you. Because the character of Green Lantern isn't yours. It's not mine. Is it preferable that you like the series that's being published of the character that you follow? Duh. But it's not always going to be like that. That's why there are multiple volumes of various characters over the decades with different creative teams, with different interpretations and with peaks and valleys. That's just how this medium works. If this series isn't for me, this series isn't for me. And it's a, just a take on Green Lantern that just doesn't happen to be in something that I enjoy. And if it's not for you, then guess what? Nobody's obligated to make you like this thing. That's totally fine. But doing the show that we do, we do want to review this content. And I'm not going to pretend. A lot of people like this. A lot of people hate this. If you're one or the other, great. If me talking bad about it irritates you and you're one of the people who like it, our buddies over at Podcast Avoa are doing a great job about being overly positive about this thing. I said overly. That's not the word I meant to use. just came to mind. But, um, yeah, There's, go ahead. There are friends. Uh, I'm not mad if you're going to listen to another show. Um, but this is uh, – this book irritated me, and I'm not going to pretend I liked it just so I can get other people on the show or just so I can get more listeners or, or whatever over to our side of the, the fence. Uh, all I can do is be honest about the shit we talk about. And I'm honest about my personal life sometimes on the show, sometimes way too much. Uh, and I'm going to be honest about what I'm reviewing. And uh, for me, I, I'm it's guys you have to understand it would take i'm a green i'm not just a green lantern fan i'm a collector i have the mentality of oh shit there's a hole in my collection i better go pick up that issue i would stop buying this series in the middle of its second season well middle i say it's issue 2 i would stop and never feel any desire to complete the collection in my long box with this issue that's how I feel about it. It's not, I just didn't like it. I am actively angry. So I've not been actively angry with a series in quite a long time, if ever. So that's why I went on a rant.
1: <laughs> I, I I can understand that. Maybe you meant overtly more than overly. Um, yes. yes. There you go. There you, go. Thank uh, you. That's hit my hit me. Not to correct you, but it hit me when that's probably what you meant. Cause you meant uh, just not 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 doing too much of it, just clearly doing it. You know, being, it's it's you know it's, it's it's there. It's right there in your face. You know it's there. Uh, while we were talking, for the hell of it, I backtracked to look at the Green Lantern sales, at least for Green Lantern number twelve. So Green Lantern number twelve, which now based on Based on the, it sold less units, and if you look at the the overall metrics, that it now you're talking somewhere between the mid 40s to like the mid 50s, between dollars and units and everything else. By units, it's number 52. So it obviously, now that's also there's other things that factor in. If obviously if there's less, and the top books, if there's less books selling more, you know, if the overall comic books is the top 20 have changed where yeah maybe the top 10 is really good but then everything else is selling less of units than the ones did in December then you might move up even though the difference in real volume and real units being sold could be really minuscule but so Green Lantern was not consistently like in the top 30 it looks like just by looking at number 12 I, I skipped Black Stars on purpose I went back to uh which month was this I think it was October it's like the October of, of 19. So we'll take a we'll take a look at it once these, these sales come out to see the difference between, uh, just out of curiosity, between issue one and issue two. You know there's going to be a drop-off because people still get really, oh, my God, issue one. So that's almost a given. There'll be a drop-off from an issue one to an issue two. It'll be curious to see how much of a drop-off in just across the board. I would agree with you. I mean, I this book has been this book has certainly not been as bad as i thought it could be which i know is not much praise but it's it's you know it's kind of like a half you know a back, a backhand compliment but it i i really thought most of a, a huge part of this run was going to be like this issue that's what i was afraid of can't say i really thought it would be that was my deepest fear that a huge part of this book would be like the run on his on the title would be like this issue so the thing I, I try to be – I'm trying to be positive in the sense that luckily we haven't gotten too many of those issues, and they certainly haven't been too many in a row, even though I don't – again, it end, it kind of ended that way with the, with the end of his first year on the book. We'll see how this goes. That's why I'm not overly enthused about him being on Earth because it seems like whenever we, we get – Excited, or some people get more excited than others that Hal's coming back to Earth. It always seems to disappoint. When you know when he came back to Earth during the Venditti run, that didn't wasn't that wasn't that spectacular either, and it didn't last very long. Uh, and of course, there's the whole parallax debacle. Uh, the, but the reality is, we'll have to see. I I I don't think that at the end of the day, this is going to be. A run on this book that is going to be memorable to me. I think it. I also don't. I also think that it's going to be very diff. It's going to be really difficult for somebody to pick up on this book after he leaves. So I would suspect that whatever, whatever he leaves, this book it'll probably just be yet another relaunch of the Green Lantern uh, book with a different title, and just and sadly probably again, sadly from a continuity perspective of uh, maybe not even dealing with a lot of the shit. That was not resolved, or, or the, even the status quo. I mean, are we going to get the Guardians back? Are the Guardian, are the real Guardians going to be back by the time this series ends? Or this is going to be like the opposite, kind of the, the 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 opposite, you know, where are revisiting history where the Guardians went off and, and we have to wait for them to come back, or waiting for the kids of the Guardians and the and the, the Zamorans to finally show up. All these things that I don't know. It's it's it, it There's a lot of ifs here. There's a lot of so this has not been my favorite incarnation of this book that we've gotten uh, even since the even since the end of the Johns era this has not been this has not been my favorite run on this book I still I still think probably overall uh, venditti's run at least Venditti's run on Hal and the core I enjoyed more than this even hmm. even with the unfortunate inability often not always but often to stick the landing but his stories were interesting and so and for me i i haven't been overly enthralled with any with as from an arc perspective i haven't been really invested or or enthralled with any of the the real stories that we've gotten so far during the morrison run honestly i don't think that, I, to me they're not memorable so yeah.
0: All right, guys, that's gonna do it for the review portion. I did want to say just a couple of things. I've, I've been getting watching a lot of stuff, obviously, with the with the self isolation. I recently purchased uh, the DC animated feature uh, Superman Red Sun. Just came out. Um, so we just watched that today, actually, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It may be my second favorite DC animated to DVD feature, just after Batman Under the Red Hood. It's definitely in my top five. Um, I need to watch it again to be sure. I really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen a DC direct to DVD animated movie in a while, go get Red Sun. It's worth it. Uh, at the very least, rent it digitally or whatever. Um, the copy, when you actually buy it, uh, at least the hard copy, comes, they started doing the DC sh- uh, showcase uh, short animated features, like the short, like 10, 15 minute ones that they used to do. And they started doing those again, and the first one back is Phantom Stranger. So, not only did we get a really good DC animated movie, we got a um, pretty fantastic uh, animated short out of the whole thing in uh, in, uh, in in the Phantom Stranger. So. That's uh, definitely something I would recommend. I also got the new Welcome to uh, uh, the the new Jumanji movies, which I hadn't seen, but Mark has been talking about a lot. Um, Finally saw both of those, and uh, man, those I laughed quite a bit on those. I think I I laughed quite a bit on both of them. I think I might have laughed less on the second one, but the jokes I did laugh, I laughed harder at. Because Kevin Hart <laughs> doing Donald Glover Man, when when Spencer's... Uh, it's Spencer, right? Yes. That's his name? When Spencer's character dies and you get the ping of him coming back and Kevin Hart in Donald Glover's voice goes Oh, that's my life alert. <laughs> Better take that pill. <laughs> I laugh my ass off. Uh, so if you haven't seen the, the, the new Jumanji movies out of some uh, you know, loyalty to the original movie. Uh, definitely, definitely watch them. They're they're enjoyable and funny as hell. I I laughed quite a bit on both of those. So those those are good.
1: Welcome to the jungle was definitely funnier than uh the next level though. Um, yeah. I was a, uh, I did, I only saw next level in the movie. I in in, in the movies, I did not see a Welcome to the Jungle until it was on um until it was on demand. But I do, but. I did think that you know, Welcome to the Jungle was much funnier. I thought there was just something I thought I could I can I I haven't, I haven't watched it again, which I will at some point cuz luckily on Amazon Prime Liz bought it, so I can still go back and watch it. But so I'm going to do that sometime this week, watch it again. It just it's just something there was something about it that wasn't it wasn't as interesting. I don't think the, I like the story I think better in the first one. And I, I mean the, the yeah. first of the I mean of, of the of the sequels. So, but we'll see. But it was it was fun though. It was they they both were fun. They both were fun, and obviously they both had really good legs at the box office. Probably the one thing Sony did wrong was choosing to release this movie before Rise of Skywalker. They should have stuck to their original pattern of or the pattern of the last time, several years two years ago, when they released it the week after uh, Last Jedi. That probably was would have been a better formula overall i think it would have considering how quickly rise of skywalker went straight into the toilet box office wise i think jumanji probably would have made a little bit more money if it had opened up the week after instead of the week before uh it still had a bunch of better legs it took forever for even this one to fall out of the top 10 it might have actually been either last weekend or the last real weekend like the invisible man being number uh being number one weekend or whatever it was uh in the last few that it was one of the last few weeks that finally uh the next level fell out of the top 10 so it's didn't do as well as the first as jungle but it did well so i think i think it's a it is fun they are fun movies they are enjoyable so that it, so i'm glad you i'm glad you enjoyed them
0: all right if people want to reach out to us like uh, that that individual who left us the voicemail who cannot be named uh, I guess uh, how do they do that Voldemort
1: left us an, a voicemail finally <laughs> the dream has come true uh, lanterncast at com. the website is lanterncast.com obviously the voicemail is 708 lantern 708 lantern let us know what you think you can follow us on twitter like us on facebook use hashtag glcast to track us down on either one of those way on apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher so please leave us a positive review. And next week, I don't know, is next week when Far Sector comes out? Probably?
0: Yeah, I don't think we'll... I don't know. I think so. Uh, I don't, we don't know what's next. By the way, you guys didn't get an episode last week, so here's two hours. Enjoy.
1: That is true. <laughs> we, would never have, we would never have guessed we would have gotten uh, two plus hours of recording tonight. Uh, and that's kind of good. It makes it does make it last week yeah last week was just kind of a cluster and it just didn't really work out for for multiple
0: for everything we talked about earlier guys people working from home and grocery shopping i think it was understandable that we didn't release last week
1: yeah so hopefully for the most part this can take your mind off the sad world that we live in but on the bright side things will get better we just gotta just gotta muddle through
0: Stay safe. Wash your hands, folks. Talk to you later.
1: <laughs> Good night, everybody.
0: Good night.